ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. So, that's, we're in that passage of... Oh, hang on. Now, this is interesting. Bairstow's walked out of his crease. He's thinking it's the end of the over. Carey has flung the stumps down from long range. This might not be very well received if it's given out, I'll be honest. When I think of the spirit of cricket, that's what I think of, the infamous Bairstow stumping of 2023. If you thought we'd entered the new year and got out the sage and rid cricket of its spirit, I have news for you. In the last fortnight alone, we've seen three attempts with varying degrees of success at dismissals that would be questioned by the spirit of the game. Funnily enough, two of them involved England. Lol. With a new debate about the spirit of cricket bubbling away, what is it that gets people so wound up and are we at risk of seeing the spirit overtake the laws of the game? I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. Over the last week, we have seen the spirit of cricket back in the limelight. Jeff Lemon is one half of the Final Word podcast and cricket commentator for the ABC. And Jeff, before we get into the specifics of the incidents that have reignited this debate, I want to get conceptual. What is the spirit of cricket? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's one of those myths that lets people feel better about themselves. <laughs> you know, like we have the idea, we, we say, oh, as Australians, we're very laid back and anti-authoritarian and then that is absolutely not true because you (laughs) live in a country where everybody's spying on each other and dobbing each other into the council for not taking their bins in and all the rest of it. (laughs) Um, Spirit of cricket's similar. We we think spirit uh, cricket is better than other sports. It's above them. It has a more noble purpose and it's played with its own sense of ethics and that is kind of true some of the time. That's what cricket's about, kid. But it depends on what the uh, what the forces are pulling in the other direction. I mean, cricket is a sport that became successful and popular on the back of rich guys gambling and match fixing. You know, from the 1700s through the 1800s, cricket was basically a gambling sport for people to make money on, and uh, there was all kinds of crooked, nefarious activity going on. That's been part of cricket since the very beginnings. Uh, but it's a nice idea that <laughs> that cricket is somehow more noble than the rest of life. So, in the last week, we've seen three incidents that have sparked the. Debate debate again. Hilariously, two of these incidents involved an England team and the other was in the Mm -hmm. Sheffield Shield match. Let's start with the under-19 World Cup incident and the handling of the ball. Can you tell me what Mm -hmm. happened and why the spirit of the game has been invoked? This this is an interesting one because this was um, an England under-19s player playing a ball down into the pitch having it stopped dead and then picking it up and handing it to the wicketkeeper of the Zimbabwe team. Uh, Zimbabwe appealed because the, the batting side is not allowed to touch the ball. Now what's happened here? Is it handled the ball? I think what Zimbabwe is saying is it's handled ball. He's picked the ball up without the permission of the fielding side and maybe they're saying the ball was still live. I think a little bit of common sense has to prevail here, surely. And he's been given out. He has been given out, obstructing the field. Now, you do sometimes see this happen. You do see batters sometimes field the ball for the fielding team and throw it back to them just to make things a bit quicker and, you know, speed up the game. If the ball's sitting right next to you, then it's it's a natural sort of human impulse to to hand the ball back. And so the reason that people are upset about it is because they they see that the England batter is just trying to do something polite and helpful and then he's being punished for it. But the flip side of that is that there's a reason that, the batting side is not allowed to touch the cricket ball and that's because it's not 
their cricket ball. There's there's something about the way that cricket works, which is that the fielding team own the field. You know, the umpire owns the pitch, so the fielding team can't jump on the pitch and scuff it up. But the fielding team owns the arena while they're fielding. You'll see fielding teams form guards of honour to welcome players onto the field. You'll see them applaud batters off the field. And, and you'll see you know, batting players have to ask the fielding captain for permission for certain things. They used to have to ask if they wanted a runner when that was allowed. They used to have to ask if they wanted to have an unscheduled drink stop or something like that. The fielding captain runs the field and, and the fielding team owns the ball. And so a batting side can affect the condition of the ball. If you've got a fielding team, for instance, trying to get the ball to reverse swing, which means they need to dry out one side of the ball, and then a batting player with a sweaty glove picks up the dry side of the ball, then that can stop the ball from reversing, for instance. So there can be advantages to the batting side they can affect the condition of the ball by interacting with it. And so that's one of the reasons why the batting side is just not supposed to touch the ball at any time. Even to be polite, it's not their ball, it's not their job. And so, yes, it's it's a harsh punishment for trying to do something polite. The, The law exists for a reason. And I don't think it's the wrong thing to do to appeal for that. It's very simple as a batter, don't touch the ball, not ever. Secondly, England's test team gave it a crack in their series against India. And, Jeff, surely England haven't been involved in a spirit of the game angering stumping. <laughs> no, no, this, this, <laughs> this would never come up again, wouldn't it? And, my God, I mean, just the, the amount of stuff that people keep carrying on about with this, like the number of Australians who are wanting to jump up and down about it, um, the, the, the sort of incredibly fine legal analysis that people are going into where to, to tell you why this stumping's different to this other stumping, which was different to this other one before that. It's a situation where yeah, Jasper Boomer is moving his feet in his crease and Ben Folks waits for him to move his feet and tries to get the bails off. Yes, only uh, there is a stumping. And... In the end, the stumping um, doesn't succeed because the foot is down at the right moment. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's in a wicketkeeper's armoury to watch the feet of the batter and to take the bails off if a batter's out of the crease. And well, that would have been the most bizarre way to get out. That's what happened at Lords last year and, uh, and and that's what the attempt was with Ben Folks and I think they're, they're both within the rights. You're within your rights as a wicketkeeper to go for either of those. So you touch on that stumping last year, the Bairstow stumping, which I think sort of brought the idea of spirit of the game right back into the forefront. Mm. But it's not just England feeling the wrath of this spirit. It's happened here in Australia. What happened in the Sheffield Shield match between New South Wales and WA that has incited the spirit of cricket? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, and there's been a lot of chat about this online the last couple of days and a lot of varying opinions. And I think there's a case to be made both ways here. So this is Joel Paris, the Western Australian fast bowler, who gets a ball blocked back to him by Chris Green, who has stepped about a foot out of his crease to play the ball, and he's still standing out of his crease. And Paris sees this, picks up the ball halfway down the pitch and tries to throw it around the batter at the stumps, but it's basically heading at Chris Green's pads, and so he uses the bat to block the ball away. (laughs) Like that twice, Green. Yeah. Couple of little queries here from the West Australians about hitting the ball twice. Or Please don't, the field. don't appeal with that. It's Joel Paris. He was still in his crease. Sam Whiteman. Don't start this, well, Sam. The umpires are going to have a chat. Look at the replay. He's standing out of his crease. He sticks his finger yeah. up there. Whiteman's so there's an argument to say that that's obstructing the field because he's hit the ball away from its trajectory towards the stumps and that you're not allowed to do that as as a as a batter you're not allowed to get in the way 
of the fielding team trying to get you out. But also as a batter, you've got no obligation to get out of the way. You can you can be where you already are on the field and they need to try to throw the ball around you if they want to run you out. So you see this happen with players running between the wickets quite often. The throw will be coming in towards the stumps and it might hit one of the running batters instead of hitting the stumps. Now, if that's an accident or if the running batter is, is running on a consistent line, then they're allowed to continue on that line even if the ball's going to hit them and even if it blocks the stumps. But if they change that line to get in the way of the ball, then that can be ruled obstructing the field. So some people are arguing that Chris Green shifted his position enough that he should have been given out obstructing the field because he moved to get in the way of the ball. My interpretation of it is that if the ball's thrown at you, you are allowed to use your bat to defend yourself. You're allowed to deflect it away from you if it's being thrown at your body. And I think it was being thrown close enough at him. Um, it was it was <laughs> probably going to hit his legs that it was probably okay that he used the bat to block that away, especially given how close the bowler was having come halfway down the pitch at that point. So all of those incidents we've just discussed are, by varying letters of the law, legitimate modes of dismissal. A little bit cheeky mm-hmm. in some cases, but they're legit. So why are people so wound up about each and every one of them? I think it's just that we have a good time doing it. I think it's just <laughs> fun to get really into a particular point of order. You know, some people actually do seem to get cross about it, but for a lot of people that's just entertaining to sit around, like you could sit around a table at the pub and have a long argument about whether something should or should not be given out or should or should not be awarded runs or, or how the law should be interpreted in a certain case. And would I want to potentially win a game with something like that happening and it would be no. And, and that's that's one of cricket's great attractions is that it has this vast slate of laws, all of which can be interpreted in different ways, all of which have subjective interpretations. Did you consider the spirit of cricket? Can you defend not withdrawing that appeal? Okay. Um... Oh, I thought it was fair. So it gives you so much possibility, so much scope to have different arguments about whether something should or should not result in a certain outcome um, because that's fun. That's an interesting thing to do. And there are so many possibilities for really minute um, arguments like that in cricket as you get deeper and deeper into the arcane, intricate detail of the laws. Do you see it as something that needs to be or could be controlled, a streamlining of rules or laws to kind of remove some of that subjectivity or is that letting the spirit overrun the laws of the game? I don't think that it would ever work. I think the thing is that when you set up laws, you have to have a a boundary somewhere. You have to draw a distinction between what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. There has to be some room for interpretation at that point. So I think wherever you set the laws, it's like setting borders for a state or a town or a country or whatever it is. Like you're always going to get a situation where that border seems ridiculous because it runs through the middle of a town or down the middle of a street or whatever it might be. But the line has to go somewhere. The the boundary has to go somewhere. And so wherever it is that we set up the borders of the laws in cricket, you will then get cases that straddle those boundaries that need adjudication to decide whether they fall into one camp or the other camp. So I don't think it's actually possible really to to streamline it in a meaningful way. So the ICC are likely just to let cricket be cricket and take a back seat, cheeky dismissals and all. So do people just have to stop whinging and accept that this is cricket? 
No, because because that's part <laughs> of the enjoyment of it. That's that's what people love doing. They love complaining about things that they don't think are right or arguing about whether an interpretation of something is right. That's one of the, the fun pastimes of being human is having arguments about trivial nonsense. So it's a huge part of the enjoyment of the game, which people will carry on enjoying. Well, Jeff Lemon, may the good spirits of cricket be with you. Thanks so much for your time today. And with you. Headlines. The big news out of Formula One continues with Red Bull announcing an investigation into their own team principal, Christian Horner. Red Bull have said in a statement that they're investigating a complaint made against their team boss. Horner will, however, remain in the role while the investigation takes place, with the season set to begin on March 2nd. Cricket and the third ODI between Australia and the West Indies is underway in Canberra, with the Aussies winning the toss and electing to bowl first. The home team has recalled Xavier Bartlett and Lance Morris for this clash, as well as elevating Sean Abbott up the order after his impressive knock on the weekend. The Windies have made one change, with Teddy Bishop making his international debut for Justin Greaves, who's missing with a hamstring niggle. And the Sydney Swans have announced Callum Mills will captain the club in 2024, despite being unavailable for the first half of the season due to injury. Mills suffered a shoulder injury at a post-season event and is scheduled to return mid-year. It's the first time since 2019 that the Bloods will have a solo captain. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Mick Radojkovic. Thanks to Sky Sports, Fox Sports, cricket.com.au and Bluey for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.